0: Welcome everyone to the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. Church Partnership Evangelism is at work to raise up national disciple makers and church planters in countries around the globe. To learn more about our work, go to traincpe.org. And to learn about our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. The songs of the church have for many years turned to be less and less a declaration of the united praise of God's redeemed people and more and more to be an enthusiastic declaration of the individual for what God has done for them personally. A careful look at the early church's songs and those songs of the young church recorded in the New Testament reveal that public worship was all about everyone celebrating what everyone had in and through Jesus Christ. It was a celebration of what jesus had accomplished in saving us not just in saving me this song has largely been lost in the celebration of the church today and as a result we've lost an important link to what it means to enjoy fellowship together in the body of christ it's the glory and wonder of the songs of the church the glory and wonder of the songs of the church we don't do a lot of speaking on the structures of worship and the songs of the church. You know, we have a very unique style in our church that is, in this sense, we're on the trailing edge of innovation when it comes to worship in our church. And I don't like to preach on it because I think sometimes if I speak on this, I'll be preaching to the choir. You know, I know that people have found their way to our church, and among other things, they've developed an acquired taste for the way that we worship together publicly. But we're not making, I promise you, we're not making a statement against other churches. But this needs to be said. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19, the wonder of the church. There we're told that we are to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms. Let me give you another passage. You can look it up. It's Romans chapter 15 verse 6. Now this actually complements perfectly this Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 519 by the way that speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs comes after together the body of Christ is filled with the Holy Spirit I know we take these passages and we rightfully find an application to ourselves I need to be not drunk with wine but filled with the Holy Spirit but when Paul writes it all of the terminology is plural because he's offering up to the church a communal experience of the fullness of Jesus Christ And in that fullness of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, he says that we are to speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns in spiritual psalms. Romans 15, verse 6, Paul says, With one mind and mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a command given to the whole church, gathered together. With one mind and mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you study the early church, you'll discover one of the first things that you recognize in the early church from its early church history is that the early church was a singing church. Its singing was an exercise of the community of faith. Its song was an act of community surrender to the fullness of Christ being poured out upon one another. The songs that you find in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, although their stage for us is taking place, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ we recognize that they in a sense set somewhat of the benchmark and watermark for the song of the early church and the songs that were not simply sung by the cherubim and seraphim and the 24 elders but was sung by those below in the church as well I believe they represent the very spirit of the song of the invisible church above and below you know if you look at the oldest manuscripts you'll see that in those passages there is a phrase where it says that You have redeemed people, or them, and you have made them a kingdom of priests. And that's the translation of the most reliable and oldest manuscripts. But if you look at the manuscript that was used in the King James, came along a little bit later, it doesn't say you have redeemed people. It says you have redeemed us. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue. You'll find that, I believe it is in chapter 5, verse 9. You've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tongue and tribe and people and nation, and you have made us. In the most oldest manuscripts, again, it says you have made them. You have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth forever. If you were going to look at most commentators now, they will say it wasn't the case 50, 100 years ago. 50 or 100 years ago, when they look at the 24 elders that are represented in the song of Revelation chapter 4 and verse 5, they'll say that those elders represent the redeemed in heaven and earth. That's the church brought up in worship of God. Now what they'll say is those 24 that are worshiping those elders represent an angelic chorus. That there are a certain status of angels that gather around the throne and these are angels that are worshiping him. Now I happen to believe that, I believe that the older manuscripts are right. That it says you redeemed a people out of every tongue and tribe and nation and you have made them a kingdom or kings and priests to their God. I believe that's right. So I actually think that the translation of your King James is probably incorrect. But if I were to understand that these men who wrote the King James were not necessarily offering a translation but an interpretation, I think their interpretation is right. I think the one singing here is the church. It's those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. In fact, just an interesting note here. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 that we are a royal priesthood. We are kings and priests. Revelation says the same thing of the redeemed that we have become a kingdom or we are kings and priests to our God. Here in this passage again, it says you have redeemed them out of every tribe and tongue and you have made them kings and priests to our God. These 24 elders that worship in the place are wearing crowns. There's royalty. They're wearing crowns. Not only that, there are 24 of them. This 24 corresponds directly to a number. When God established the temple worship, and you'll find this in 1 Chronicles, when God gave by the Spirit of God wisdom to David in establishing the priestly service within the temple, he divided the service of the priest into sessions in which they would constantly ministering in the temple. You know how many sessions there were? 24. 24 sessions of priests that constantly came into the temple to give worship to God. So here are these elders wearing their kingly crowns In their 24 sessions, worshiping before the throne. It is the church. It's our song. It's our worship. It's our praise. And we sing, you have redeemed us by your blood. And you have made of us kings and priests to our God. Now, look at the song of the redeemed church. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Why was the early church a singing church? Why were they a singing church? The reason the church sang was that together they could all speak the same thing at the exact same time. The song of the church was an opportunity for the body of Christ to offer up the same prayers, the same praise, the same exhortations, the same lessons with one single voice. They turned their attention to the word in their song and the word that they spoke and heard from one another. This singing in the church was an act of surrender to Christ and his truth. It was an act of humility and devotion in which they recognized together that they were one in the body of Christ. It was the song of the church. I'm sure that they had songs of the individual. David went out on his hillside and sang his Songs on the hillside over the sheep. But when they were together, I think largely they learned, and this seems to be what the history tells us and notes us that when they were together, largely they learned to express their songs as a body. In other words, the Christians did not come together, and when they sang their songs, they did not sing I am songs. My and mine and I. Their songs were our songs. They sang songs about us and our devotion and our salvation and our God and our Savior. When the songs were picked today, I said, look, I only have one request for any of the songs that are sung today. I want all the pronouns to be plural. I want them to be we and are and us. I want that to be what we sing today. It was an expression of their combined witness and praise to the God who was their Savior. It was the song of the church. All singing together the salvation and the life that they have as His family, as His redeemed children, as His holy body, and we are to sing in the same way Bonhoeffer writes this it is the voice of the church that is heard in singing together it is not you that sings it is the church that is singing and you as a member of the church may share in its song when I get to heaven and we're before the throne and all that are worshiping there I'm not gonna be thinking hey I'm singing Wow I'm singing in heaven I'm going to think, oh, God, I'm a part of this throng. We are worshiping you from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. We are giving you praise, worshiping you, because you have redeemed us all. That's the glory of the church's song. In many ways, that glory has been minimized by kind of an independent, self-important Juxtaposition over the last hundred years, particularly in the church, of the individual for God as if this salvation just belonged to me and it was just for me. The song is bigger than my own personal testimony. It is a testimony of us all. It's a song bigger than our little fellowship. But when we sing together, we're singing the song of the church. Together we sing the song of the invisible, wonderful church in heaven and on earth. Isn't that great? Isn't that glorious? Think about it. It's glorious. Second Corinthians tells the story of a man who's sorrowing. He's the man in 1 Corinthians who has been thrown out of the church. Paul had instructed the church to remove him from their fellowship because he had fallen into a sin, and a particularly grievous sin, the sin of incest. And so he was to be taken out of the church. But now in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6-8, through eight, Paul writes to have him received back into the church. He says in verses 6 through 8, This punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man, so that on the contrary you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Take him back now. He's about ready to be lost and swallowed up with grief and sorrow because he's been removed from the church. Here's what I think at least is in part the sorrow of this individual who has been removed from the church because of his sin. At least in part, I think it's this. I imagine that this man in Corinth was filled with sorrow because outside of the church, he had no song to sing. He had lost his song. He had not learned a song of salvation that said, I have, I am, Jesus and me. He had learned a song of the church's single voice where they sang, We are, we have, He for us. And outside the church, He had no song to exalt Him, no wonder to glory before. He had lost the song of the exalted, wonderful, invisible church which we are to lift up in this place. The song that together we rehearse in our salvation before the Savior, our redemption, our reconciliation to himself as a people and a nation as a kingdom as a church as a body all glorious before him and he grieved let's rejoice in our song let's rejoice in our Savior one of the great wonders of heaven is not that I will be there alone but that we will all be there together with him When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this has been the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministries, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may the Lord bless us.